0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part six of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53 called The Suffering Servant.
1: And in the garden, a new tomb, notice, in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, on account of the Jewish day of preparation, because the tomb was nearby, notice, they laid Jesus there. And so there's uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Go back to Isaiah and we'll finish it. What do you think they were thinking as they walked away? Hope we don't get busted. (laughs) That's a a pretty decent uh, take. Uh, Maybe some regret. You know, there you're dealing with the corpse of the Messiah. And you had all these chances while he was alive. Now, how much they believe in the resurrection, I don't know. But he rose. And we don't hear much about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus afterwards. But can you imagine what they must have felt like knowing that he was alive? and there was a chance at redemption, at least in the sense of being able to spend some time with the Lord if indeed that took place. But the Lord, this is back in Isaiah 53, verse 10. See, this is the Lord's work. If you're going to look for a reason, uh, if you're looking for a target to say they were behind the crucifixion, the killing of Jesus happened by their hands, uh, John MacArthur has wr- written a book called The Murder of Jesus. And he makes the case that if you really want to understand this theologically, the one that killed Jesus was the father. Because it was, it pleased the Lord. The Lord was pleased. This was always God's will. The word pleased, you need to understand is a word that speaks of pleasure and desire, but think of it in this sense. It was the pleasing of God's will because God's justice would be appeased, and that's the way the flow of the text has been going. By the death of Jesus, it would appease the justice of God. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? He's the appeasement. He's the satisfaction of God's holiness. The cross includes God's love and God's justice. And God's love is on display and God's justice is being satisfied God's will was to crush him. That's why Jesus went to the cross. No one took his life from him. God's predetermined plan, according to Acts, I think it's chapter two, was fulfilled. And Pilate and Herod and all those players were simply God's tools. They're still culpable. Judas is still responsible for his betrayal. But ultimately, this was the predetermined plan of God. It pleased the Lord to crush him. We looked at that word in verse five and that word has the idea of a trampling, uh, disastrous kind of crushing and death. Think of a mob trampling over somebody's body, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering and that's what Jesus was, he uh, takes away our guilt and he fulfills the pictures of Leviticus five and six, which you can study later. As a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, and there are many, many offspring of Jesus uh, who come in as his seed, if you will, according to Galatians 3. He will see his offspring. He's going to experience all of us, and we him, because we will see him face to face, but he will also see us. The cool thing is, apparently, he wants to see us. I go and prepare a place for you. Me? Little old me? The God of the universe wants to dine with me? Yeah, that's why he died for you. To dine with you in the kingdom of God to take your griefs and sorrows. He, uh, it says in Hebrews twelve two. fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus did it for the joy set before him. There was certainly no joy in the cross, no joy in that death, no joy in that humiliation. No joy in taking the weight of that sin, but there was joy in knowing that it would pay for your redemption. That's a long way to go to love people who were your enemies. And so he was crushed, he was our guilt offering. He takes away guilt, and we are his offspring. And God says, In this prophecy, not only does it prophesy the tomb of the rich man, but it also prophesies 700 years before it happened that he would prolong his days. I think the only way to see this is the resurrection because the whole text, look at verse 10, has been talking about the death of this servant and now it says God will prolong his days. How do you prolong his days if he's dead? You can't do that without a a resurrection, and so even in Isaiah 53.10, you've got the the prophecy of his death, you've got the prophecy of his uh, grave with a rich man, which shouldn't have happened, and then you have a prophecy, at least implicit in the text, implied in the text, a resurrection. His days would be prolonged, he would be with them 40 days after the resurrection, of course he's now in heaven interceding for us, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will see his seed, and we will be with him one day. And as a result, verse eleven of the anguish. This speaks. This word anguish speaks of toilsome work or suffering. It's often a picture of a woman in in labor. As a result of the anguish, verse eleven of what? His soul. It doesn't say, as a result of the anguish of his body. It says his soul. Now, the question I have as a student of the Bible is, how was his soul involved in the crucifixion? And I think we get a little picture of it here in John. So go with me, John 12. I want to show you, as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, he's doing some final teaching, and John gives us Four rich chapters in John chapters 13 through 17. But in John 12, we have an insight here from John, and here's what he says. This is uh, John 12:27. Now, my soul, John 12:27, has become troubled. What became troubled? His soul. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. This was a prayer that apparently Jesus could have said and did say in that sense, because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Shall I say it? Shall I say, save me from this hour? But if you have any doubt about the purpose of the arrival of Jesus Christ, you just need to read the New Testament. For this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name, 28. There came, therefore, a voice out of heaven. Don't you love it? The Father encourages him. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The multitude, therefore, who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. If you wondered how powerful the voice of God is, there you go. If you hear some loud thunder, did you guys see the video of the, there was like a big thunderclap somewhere in a Uh, and a Major League Baseball game was going on. Did you see those guys scatter? Uh, It was everybody, the catcher, the umpires, everybody was just running for cover. And then the commentary from the sports guys was, these aren't hockey players. Hockey (laughs) players would have stood on the field and said, come on, Thunder, I'll take you. Baseball players, they ran for the dugout. Anyway, and I'm a baseball player, but there you go. Others were saying, an angel has spoken to him, 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world, now the ruler of this world shall be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, I wanna say something to the brethren. I love the fact that we like to share that when Jesus is lifted up, exalted, praised, that people will be drawn to him. I have no doubt that that's a legitimate application of this verse, but that's not what it means. Because Jesus was saying this, 33 of John 12, to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. See, the scripture is actually teaching us that the way that Jesus would draw all men to himself was by virtue of the cross, not by worshiping him in praise, In this text, now I'm not saying that people can't be drawn to God when we praise him and live a lifestyle of praise. But in the context here, you need to understand that this verse is actually talking about the way that he would die, and it's specifically speaking of the cross and him being lifted up as the cross uh, would come up out of the ground. And the multitude therefore answered him, we have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? And Jesus therefore said to them, and they didn't know how close it was, for a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light in order that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he departed and hid himself from them. Now go back to Isaiah and we'll finish. So, Jesus goes through this agony of soul, which is intriguing because the soul is usually what we think of the life within the person. And it was his soul that was in anguish. His soul was vexed. If you think of, well, what would be one moment on the cross where his soul was in anguish? The first statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you hear any more of an anguish cry than that? His soul was vexed. Yes, his body was bludgeoned. Yes, he was in misery physically. But his soul was anguished on that cross. His soul was under the laborious strain as the uh, sins of my people to whom the stroke was due were placed on his back and on his precious head.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Walk In Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini shows, A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk In Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into is the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade.
0: Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally six to 12 weeks. And you know what I mean? There's a heartbeat. There's everything's pretty much intact. The only thing that child or that baby needs is time and nutrition. It's fully formed.
1: To listen to the Walk in Truth minisodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Jesus goes through this agony of soul, which is intriguing, because the soul is usually what we think of the life within the person. And it was his soul that was in anguish. His soul was vexed. If you think of, well, what would be one moment on the cross where his soul was in anguish? The first statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you hear any more of an anguish cry than that? His soul was vexed. Yes, his body was bludgeoned. Yes, he was in misery physically. But his soul was anguished on that cross. His soul was under the laborious strain as the uh, sins of my people to whom the stroke was due were placed on his back and on his precious head. But he will see it, uh, though he goes through this anguish, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, Jesus, my servant, he will justify, and that word has the idea of justification uh, being declared righteous before God as though we had never sinned. That's what happens to us when we're in Christ. He will justify the many, not all, but the many, and by, by what? He will bear their iniquities. God the Father will treat God the Son as though he had committed all of our sins, though he was innocent. Therefore, as we conclude, I will allot or divide, says the ESV, him a portion with the great or the many, and he will divide the booty with the strong, and here's why, here's why he will, be, he will get these spoils, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered, poured out, it makes me think of the drink offering there. He was poured out, uh, he poured out himself to death and he was numbered with the transgressors, think of the three crosses, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and this is his ultimate work of intercession, and he interceded for the transgressors. I think the spoils here are us. I think the spoils are the church, and that he would be highly exalted and be given the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and he is king of all kings and Lord of all lords, and every king who ever wore a crown will humble themselves at his feet, and the spoils will be his. Why? Well, he's God, but he also died for us. He numbered himself with the transgressors. He uh, was a friend to tax collectors and sinners. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And he is the mediator. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. That is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for many. There are some who come to the cross in the early part of their lives and who in relinquishing themselves to its protection in the dew of their youth are saved from much of the world's suffering and shame. There are some who never come at all, whose natures seem uh, too shallow to need or too worldly to desire its cleansing and redeeming fires. But there are others who wander far, who taste life's bitterness, who grope and sigh for rest, who in lonely hours cry with bitter cry for an answer to the burning questions of the brain. They wander far in lone and perilous ways, but at the last they come to the sheltering cross of Christ. Tired and with a sigh, they sink down before it, and as weary children stretch forth their hands in humble faith and accepting its deliverance, they find rest. Her mother and daddy disowned her She did all she could when Elizabeth Barrett married the famous poet Robert Browning. Her parents were upset and they disowned her. She and her husband settled far from her home in Florence, Italy, and Elizabeth loved her mother and father and did everything she could to be reconciled to them. Several times a month, she wrote expressive, loving letters. After 10 years without any response, finally a package came from her parents. It was a happy moment for Elizabeth and she opened it. But inside she found all of the letters she had sent, every one of them unopened. Like her husband, Elizabeth was a poet and her letters of reconciliation were eloquent. Like her husband, Elizabeth, excuse me, uh, were eloquent. They have been called some of the most beautiful and expressive in all English literature. But her parents never read them. Jesus Christ, like Elizabeth, went to extreme measures in a reconciliation attempt. He died so sinful men could be reconciled to God. It breaks his heart that so many refuse even to read the love letter from Calvary. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that the love letter for so many of us in this room and those who will listen to this later has been opened. You gave us the world. You gave us your word You gave us your son. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in him and we have uh, been saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ if we know him tonight. Every sin we've committed or will commit is under the blood. Yet there is an application to those who are disciples and it is clear you say take up your cross and follow me. I want you to be one who seeks straying sheep. I want you to be one who's willing to lay down his life for others, not in a sense of atonement, but in a sense of love. You tell us throughout the New Testament that through love we should, through uh, love we should serve one another, and you tell us that there's no greater love than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so we, we hear the words of, John 3:16 and 1 John 3:16 this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and so we ought to lay down our lives for one another the implications of the cross are not simply that i have an e ticket to heaven and my sins are paid that's glorious and that's done but the implications father we also understand are an application of the highest form of life the crosswalk, the reality that the cross is a lifestyle, the reality that this kind of love is to be lived by your sheep who have been redeemed by such an awesome shepherd. And so forgive us for the times that we fall short. Forgive us when we wander from that crosswalk, Father. Forgive us and heal us from the consequences sometimes of our own poor choices because in the light of that cross, we have no excuse no defenses, but we will celebrate under its atoning power. We will bask in the rays of light that it sends to our lives, the hope that it brings. We will rest in the finished work of a redeemer who paid it all and all to him we owe. But we also realize, Lord, that there is a cross you've called us to take up. It's our cross, and you said, follow me. And Lord, we want to follow. And so we pray that if there's been things that have caused us to wander, if there's been things that we've succumbed to or compromised in, help us, Lord, to be sheep that stay close by the side of our shepherd, the wounded side, the wounded feet we follow. The pierced hands hold us. If you need to do some business with your Savior tonight, your Lord, just lay down those things that have easily entangled you. Give your life afresh to him tonight. If you've been bearing a heavy load, he says, cast your anxiety to me because I care for you. It can be hard, but let it go to him. Trust him. He will finish what he started in you. And if you're not a Christian tonight, You need to come under that crimson flow. You need to realize that you're a sinner. You need him. He died for a reason. He died for you. And just come to him tonight. Don't, if you have a question in your mind, just say, Lord, I want to settle it. I repent. I trust in your finished work on the cross. Your resurrection, I believe, save me. You don't have to have perfect words, but cry out to him and settle it. Father, thank you for the just beauty of your grace. May your Wonderful spirit, fill us afresh. Strengthen us. Give us your eyes to see your heart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to The Suffering Servant, Part 6, on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for some airtime on this station? Help us continue in this ministry by a monthly partnership of at least $5 a month, and that's all we ask. That's like the price of a cup of coffee. Unless you get that like really fancy stuff. But anyway, if you're blessed by this ministry and believe others in your community can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael before we go. We
1: well, you know as I look back on Isaiah chapter 53, I don't know if I could summarize this great section in a minute or two. But I want to tell you this that this Isaiah, the end of 52 and 53, what they tell us is that God loves us with an amazing sacrificial love demonstrated in the brutal sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross, his bearing our weight of sin and guilt, though he was innocent, and his glorious resurrection. He will sprinkle many nations. He is our hope. And just remember Isaiah 52, end of the chapter 53 is all about a suffering servant who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as your ransom and mine. He loved me and he gave himself up for me. What a glorious gospel we, we have. What a glorious gospel we preach. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance and we are walking through Isaiah 53. We have just completed the study. Moving into Isaiah chapter 54 tomorrow. Thank you for your prayers and your support of this ministry. It means more than I could communicate here on the radio, but we're so grateful for all of our podcast listeners, all of you who have been checking out A Step Closer and checking out the minisodes. Uh, it's, it's so good, and we're so grateful to all of you. Hey, keep us in prayer, and if you'd like to reach out to us, remember, contact at walkintruth.com. Lord willing, we'll see you right here
0: tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 54, called Your Husband is Your Maker. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.